0: part 19 of collected prose by james elroy flecker this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by martin geeson in haselmere surrey the golden journey to samarkand preface feeling some explanation of my attitude towards the art of poetry might assist critics and interest friends i hoped to be able to expound in this preface my theory but i found i had no new theory all i can do is to praise a very simple theory of poetry which has for me a unique attraction that of the french parnasse a careful study of this theory however old-fashioned it may by now have become in france would i am convinced benefit english critics and poets for both our poetic criticism and our poetry are in chaos it is a latin theory and therefore the more likely to supply the defects of the saxon genius it would do english poetry which is to-day as far beneath the french as it was of old above it and english literary criticism which has never been comparable with that of our neighbours no harm to take as dan chaucer took of old a lesson from the continent good poetry has obviously been written on other theories than the parnassian It has been written with no theory at all. It has been written with very strange theories. Good poetry has been Catholic like Crashaw's and Protestant like Milton's and Mystic like Blake's and Atheistic like the De rerum natura. Good poetry has been full of high moral sentiments like Wordsworth's of highly immoral sentiments like byron's or quite amoral sentiments like herrick's good poetry has been written in boorish speech like that of barnes or in elegant diction like that of pope no worthless writer will be redeemed by the excellence of the poetic theory he may chance to hold but that a sound theory can produce sound practice and exercise a beneficent effect on writers of genius has been repeatedly proved in the short but glorious history of the parnasse the parnassian school was a classical reaction against the perfervid sentimentality and extravagance of some french romantics the romantics in france as in england had done their powerful work and infinitely widened the scope and enriched the language of poetry it remained for the parnassians to raise the technique of their art to a height which should enable them to express the subtlest ideas in powerful and simple verse but the real meaning of the term parnassian may be best understood from considering what is definitely not parnassian to be didactic like wordsworth to write dull poems of unwieldy length to bury like tennyson or browning poetry of exquisite beauty in monstrous realms of vulgar feeble or obscure versifying to overlay fine work with gross and irrelevant egoism like victor hugo would be abhorrent and rightly so to members of this school on the other hand the finest work of many great english poets especially milton keats matthew arnold and tennyson is written in the same tradition as the work of the great french school and one can but wish that the two latter poets had had something of a definite theory to guide them in self-criticism Tennyson would never have published Locksley Hall, and Arnold might have refrained from spoiling his finest sonnets by astonishing cacophonies. There are, of course, many splendid forms of passionate or individual poetry which are not Parnassian. The work of Shelley and Browning, of Rossetti, of Villon or Verlaine, however perfect, is too emotional individual or eccentric to have any affinity with the parnassian school the french parnassian has a tendency to use traditional forms and even to employ classical subjects his desire in writing poetry is to create beauty his inclination is toward a beauty somewhat statuesque he is apt to be dramatic and objective rather than intimate the enemies of the parnassians have accused them of cultivating unemotional frigidity and upholding an austere view of perfection the unanswerable answers to all criticism are the works of heredia le comte de lille samin henri de regnier and jean moreas compare the early works of the latter poet written under the influence of the symbolists with his stance if you would see what excellence of theory can do when it has genius to work on read the works of eredia if you would understand how conscious and perfect artistry far from stifling inspiration fashions it into shapes of unimaginable beauty wrote one volume of sonnets they are traditional in form their subjects are classical or historical they are utterly remote from modern life and turmoil each one evokes a distinct complete and delicate image of the past and yet there is hardly one of them that is not immortal poetry and the passion that breathes in the sonnets on Cleopatra is of such fiery intensity that I doubt if in all lyric poetry it would be excelled. To have preached a Parnassian doctrine in the age of Pope would have been superfluous. To have attempted to restrain therewith the impetuous torrent of Elizabethan or Victorian production would have been impossible but at the present moment there can be no doubt that english poetry stands in need of some such saving doctrine to redeem it from the formlessness and the didactic tendencies which are now in fashion as for english criticism can it not learn from the parnassian or any tolerable theory of poetic art to examine the beauty and not the message of poetry this importunity of the message this old puritan spirit has corrupted nearly all our artists from william wordsworth down to the latest writers of manly tales in verse if we have preaching to do in heaven's name let us call it a sermon and write it in prose it is not the poet's business to save man's soul but to make it worth saving it is not his business to make wise reflections about the social and moral problems of the day but whether inspired by a slum window in camden town or by an old volume picked up for a soldo in the streets of florence to make beautiful the tragedy and tragic the beauty of man's life many of our great english poets have preached moral theories or expounded in verse their philosophies of life but it is to be remembered that what endures of their work is that portion where despite themselves they wrote like poets however few great poets have written with a clear theory of art for art's sake it is by that theory alone that their work has been or can be judged and rightly so if we remember that art embraces all life and all humanity and sees in the temporary and fleeting doctrines of conservative or revolutionary only the human grandeur or passion that inspires them to this volume written with the single intention of creating beauty now the moslem east now greece and her islands has furnished a setting those who are forever seeking what they call profundity of inspiration are oh, welcome to burrow in my verse and extract something if they will as barren as the few cheap copy-book headings to which they once reduced the genius of browning in the attitude to life expressed in these pages in the poet's appreciation of this transient world the flowers and men and mountains that decorate it so superbly they will probably find but little edification beirut april 1913 end of part 19